all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, an associate professor of preventive medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. Welcome to Southern Remedy for Women. I'm your host, Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner and associate professor of preventive medicine at UMMC. And joining me today, I have a very special guest. Her name is Jamie Ely, and she's a registered nurse and a certified lactation consultant. And we're going to be talking about breastfeeding today. So if you have questions or comments for us related to breastfeeding, we'd love to talk with you. You can always email us, even when we're not on the air, at remedy at mpbonline.org. Good morning, Jamie. Hey, Josie. How are you? I am doing wonderful. It is Friday, which always makes me happy. It is my favorite day of the week. But I'm glad you were able to take some time to talk with us today. I know you're super busy, but I know that this is also a passion of yours. Absolutely. So if people are not quite sure what a lactation consultant is and what they do, give us a little rundown of that. Okay, so a lactation consultant, you can find one in many fields. They're not just in hospitals um, or just in clinics. So probably the main place you would see them would be either one of those places. I know all the major hospitals here that deliver babies have um, a lactation consultant on staff. Sometimes you'll see them in OBGYN offices, sometimes sometimes in pediatric offices, but also um, the WIC department has lactation consultants on staff, and then there are also private practices that just do breastfeeding. Um, and so our main job is to work with the mom-baby dyad to help them on their breastfeeding journey. It's going to be different for every mm-hmm. mother-baby couplet. So one thing that may have worked for your sister, your friend, your cousin, or even your last baby. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. For- Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's our job is just to help guide you in the direction that you want to go, because there are so many different ways to breastfeed, when, how, how much, all that good stuff. And so that's our job. If there's um, any issues, problems, pain when you're breastfeeding, those are things that we can help identify and take care of as well. So you mentioned that there's, you know, lactation consultants are usually on staff at all the hospitals that deliver babies. Um, is that something that you have to request a visit from the lactation consultant or do they come around to, to all moms? Um, at the hospitals that I'm familiar with, they come around to all moms. Um, you don't necessarily have to request, but I would always recommend that if you have just delivered your baby and it's been 12 to 24 hours since birth and you haven't seen a lactation consultant, I would definitely ask for one. Yeah. And they, you know, they are a godsend. Um, when you're in that period, you know, after that 12 hour period that you mentioned, everything's kind of 
just a whirlwind, you know, especially if it's your first baby, you know, everything is new and you're like, what is this? And what am I supposed to be doing? And I'm super tired. And you just need somebody there to kind of hold your hand and, and walk you through that. But every pregnancy is different as well. You know, I've got two kiddos that I breastfed and completely different uh, in some of the, the struggles that, that we had with that or some of the challenges that we faced. Um, and it really is a, a journey. And some days are going to be great and some days may not be as great. Um, but, you know, it is, um, you know, a technique that we want to support if the mom so desires. So the kind of the other thing I want to make sure that people realize is feeding your baby is important. Right. And we want to make sure that babies are fed. And so while we're doing a breastfeeding show and we're talking about the importance of breastfeeding, if you're not able to breastfeed your baby or if you just choose not to, that's okay. Right. We, we still want to support you and we still want to make sure that your baby is getting you know, great nutrition and that you're getting great support for all of the other um, you know, things that are happening in this postpartum period. But we are going to kind of oh, focus yeah. in on on some of the issues with breastfeeding because it was it's harder than I thought it was going to be when I breastfed because mm-hmm. um, you know movies make it look uh, magical and yeah. it very it can be but it can also be um, be hard but let's just kind of mm-hmm. start with you know why breastfeeding is recommended and why it's important like what are the benefits for mama well there's lots of benefits for mom and baby and i think i'm glad that you brought up mom first because a lot of times we just automatically go focus to, on the babe good for baby yep yeah so good for moms um one thing is it the longer you breastfeed the it lessens your chance of having certain female cancers like breast cancer cervical cancer things like that so if you have that in your family already that is a great reason to breastfeed your baby um and to do it for as long as you can because it just decreases the risk of those cancers Um, It also helps prevent osteoarthritis um, in the long run because of bones and bone health and things like that. But the main thing that mamas want to know is it can help you lose weight a little faster after (laughs) you have your baby. Yeah, and you know, for it can also help um, with some of the postpartum bleeding that you have because it helps the uterus kind of shrink down a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So there are there are lots of benefits that are out there, as well as you know the, the the social emotional bond that forms between mom and baby. Although that can be replicated if we're not able to breastfeed through you know skin to skin contact and all of those different kinds of things. Um, but it it is does have perks for mom uh, as well. Mm-hmm. What about baby? Okay, so baby, um, first and foremost, it acts as like their first immunization. And so all of the things that mom has ever been exposed to as far as viruses, um, colds, flus, anything like that that you can pass from one person to another, mom already has those antibodies for. Or what I like to say is they're kind of like recipes for the medicine to get rid of these viruses and sicknesses. And so when mom breastfeeds, she passes those things down to baby. So babies that are breastfed tend to be a little healthier um, because they have those antibodies right away rather than having formula that doesn't have the antibodies in it. Also, one thing with breast milk is it is different every single time the baby nurses. So if the baby needs more calories that day, more fat that day, whatever it is, mom and baby can um, react to each other's body with that skin-to-skin contact, um, and mom's milk will make what baby needs, which is just something that formula hasn't quite caught up to yet. There's lots of great formulas out there, but just hasn't quite caught up to that yet. But the main thing with babies is they tend to be healthier. Um, They, and that keeps them from having the acute sicknesses or the things they get and go away quickly, as well as the chronic illnesses, um, asthma, allergies, things like that. 
And also, it's been proven that babies that breastfeed are a little, have a little higher IQ. And there's also some some evidence out there about childhood obesity and lowering the risks of childhood you know risk of childhood obesity. Um, so there's a, a wide variety of uh, benefits that are out there. You mentioned the, the asthma, and my youngest, uh, you know, it's not foolproof. I breastfed him, and he had asthma, and I looked at him like traitor. Um, you know, <laughs> so, you know, don't think that you did anything wrong if your uh, baby does have respiratory issues or any of those different kinds of things. All those little critters are different um, and have different risks associated with it. But breastfeeding is a great kind of first step in helping to build baby's immune system um, and giving them the kind of that jump start on life. Now, I know as a, when I was a new mom, which has been a been a, a minute um, since I was a new mama, but one of the things I worried about the most was my milk supply, right? And I feel like that's something that moms worry about all the time. Like, am I making enough? Am I making too much? How much are they actually getting? Is that what they need? You know, like how much does a baby need really in terms of the volume of breast milk? Well, and it just depends on what stage in life the baby's at. But that you're right. That is probably the most common question I get is how do I know that I'm, my baby's getting enough and am I making enough? So generally what we say is instead of looking at how much you're making, let's look at how the baby's reacting. Think about you or think about people that you're around. When they're hungry, they're going to be cranky. Mm -hmm. Um, They're going to be a little more vocal probably, um, maybe not as jovial. So that's the things we're going to see with a baby too. They're going to be cranky if they're hungry. Mm -hmm. Um, They're not going to gain weight. When you're going to your pediatrician's appointments, they're going to be either staying the same weight or dropping down. Um, they're not going to have very many diapers. They're not going to have very few, very many uh, dirty diapers, wet diapers, and they're just going to be kind of slow-moving, lethargic. Um, so, but the first sign you're going to see is a fussy, fussy baby, mm-hmm. a baby that acts like they're hungry all the time. Anytime you put anything close to their mouth, they're going to try to eat it. Um, <clears throat> that's one of the main signs. That's called rooting, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that babies do to tell us, "Hey, I'm hungry." Mm-hmm. Um, as far as mom goes. You know, you you have you do have milk when your baby is born. That's one thing I get um, asked in the hospital a lot, or I hear mom say, "Is I don't have any milk yet. I don't have any milk yet." Your body starts making milk around the middle of your pregnancy, so th- that's readily available when your baby's born. It's just small amounts of it, which is fine because their tummy is so small. Their tummy can hold about a teaspoon each feed. So mm-hmm. you think about a teaspoon. That's like I'm a coffee fiend. So you think about a <laughs> teaspoon. That's less than the amount of creamer that I use in my coffee. Right. So it's a very small amount, um, and babies are learning to breastfeed those first few days. Right. And so they get little tiny bits of milk reward and um, food every time they practice breastfeeding. And as long as you're consistent with it for the first few days, by about day four or five, somewhere in there, the volume milk starts to produce. Mm-hmm. And it's um, just, just more of it. You can feel it in your breast. They feel fuller. Once you feed the baby, they feel less full. And that's a good sign that you have a good milk supply. Yeah. And you often hear moms talk about, well, my milk hasn't come in yet. And like what you just said is it's it's there. Um, mm-hmm. And it may be really, really small amounts. And that kind of first milk, that colostrum, which some people call liquid gold, right? Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's where all those uh, antibodies are. It's, you know, very nutrient rich and very calorie dense. So it doesn't take 
a large volume of that to nourish baby. And you mentioned a teaspoon for their belly. I like to think of things in terms of um, like the relationship to other uh, objects, like how big it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and like a marble, you know, like a marble or a thimble mm-hmm. is kind of like the size of that baby's belly. And so you don't need a whole lot of volume in there for that newborn baby. Um, and then as they grow, it, that belly gets bigger and they'll you know, gradually accommodate larger larger volumes of food and need larger volumes of, of milk to support that. But you talked about, you know, a fussy baby or a baby that isn't, um, you, you know, is kind of lethargic. And you mentioned diapers. And that's a really important way to kind of judge whether baby is getting enough to eat, right? Are they peeing and are they pooping um, in the mm-hmm. simplest of terms? And, of course, when they're brand new baby, they're not going to pee and poop very much. Like maybe just once in that first 24 hours. Um, but then they should start to wet those diapers, you know, fairly consistently um, over the next couple of days and then start to have bowel movements. And those bowel movements will change in consistency and color and all those kinds of things. And breastfed babies often poop after every time that they breastfeed. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it looks very um, like yuck, mustard, like whole grain mustard is what I think yeah. it, it looks like. It's very seedy and that's normal. Um, and if you're a first time parent and nobody has told you that, that is something that will freak you out um, when you first see that because it is not what grown up poop looks like. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, but that's completely normal for a breastfed baby. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. And I'm your host, Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at U. MMC. And joining me today, I have Jamie Ely. She's a registered nurse and lactation consultant. And we've been talking about breastfeeding today. First segment of the show, we really focused in on the benefits of breastfeeding and how to know if baby is getting enough, because that can be a big old stressor when you are um, a new mom or even a seasoned mom. The stress doesn't go away. And now I really want us to focus in on that milk supply because that is the thing I worried about the most. And I know a lot of moms worry about it is how do I know that that I'm making enough, but even if um, I've realized that I'm not, maybe baby's not not peeing as much as they should, or uh, you know my supply is low. Are there things that I can do to help support that? And then there's the flip side of it, or and, and there's folks who make uh, an overproduction of milk, and how do we address those situations? If you have a story about your breastfeeding journey that you'd like to share with us, or a tip or a trick that you have done um, on your own journey, we'd love to talk with you. All right, Jamie, what about low milk supply? What causes that? Most common cause of low milk supply is not emptying the breast frequently enough. It's all supply and demand. So the more you take out, the more your body knows to put in. So sometimes mothers can get into this um, kind of cycle of, oh, I don't have enough. Let me supplement with a bottle. And then they don't end up breastfeeding as frequently as they need to or emptying their breasts as frequently as they need to. And so their body says, okay, she must not need all that. So I'm not going to make as much next time. So that is one cause of um, a pretty common cause of low milk supply. But the good thing is it has a really easy remedy. Um, May not be a fun remedy, but it it has a remedy. Feed more, feed Feed more, more. pump a little bit. Um, uh, After feedings, just empty your breast more frequently and your body will catch up. Um, there are those other instances where women truly have uh, hormonal uh, variances that cause their body not to be able to make as much milk. Um, women that have been diagnosed with PCOS, um, hypothyroidism, diabetes, all these hormonal um, problems that women can experience, 
those ladies do sometimes have a little bit harder time keeping up um, a milk supply. Yeah. And, you know, there are some some medicines that you may be on can also affect milk supply. So, you know, don't don't freak out, but just have a conversation with your healthcare provider about, you know, are there is there anything contributing to this low supply? Is there anything that we can do differently to help with that? And being uh, being dehydrated as well which I know was a problem mm-hmm. for me um, because you're you're so tired, you know, and you're so focused yeah. on baby um, and making sure that baby's clean and the baby's fed and that, you know, baby is happy. And then you're just also just snuggling baby and smelling baby and loving on baby. And it really does all become kind of focused on, on the baby and your kind of health and well-being takes a step back, at least in, in your head sometimes. And so you may forget to drink as as – as weird as that sounds, you may just not not think about it. And if you get mm-hmm. dehydrated, it does affect that supply. Um, so I got to where I kept, I found a water bottle that I enjoyed, right, which I think is really important because there are 9,000 different types of water bottles out there. There are the kinds with straws. There are the kinds without straws. There are the kinds with markings on it. There are there's just there's so many, and I there probably are. have one of all of them, um, and I and I found that the one I liked the best was the one that just had a flip top with a straw that that was in it. That was easier for me to drink out of while I was breastfeeding because um, I could I didn't have to tilt my head or any of these different kinds of things. I could just pick it up and sip out of it. And so I just asked my husband. I was like, "Will you just make sure that this stays full, right? Like every couple of hours, just check on me, make sure that there's water in my." water can. Um, and so mm-hmm. I could stay hydrated that way. And I think moms, new moms have um, a hard time asking for help sometimes, but it's important to ask your support folks to, to make sure that you're taking care of yourself too, so that you can take care of baby. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I agree with that hundred percent. I think a lot of moms have a real hard time asking for help. I mm-hmm. think some of it is just, we just, we just assume people know that what we need. Yeah. Um, but also we see everybody else that can do this. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is, is having a great time with their newborn and they're happy and they look good and their house looks good. And um, so it's really hard for people to, um, to reach out for help sometimes. And so um, that's, that's one thing that I do encourage that if you do start to feel like you have some problems with breastfeeding, it's hard for you. It's um, not enjoyable for you. It is causing you mental anxiety, things like that. And definitely reach out because there are so many things that we can do to help. Um, I used to hear a lot of moms say, well, I really, I did feel like I had some postpartum depression, but I didn't want to tell anybody because mm-hmm. I didn't think I could take medicine and be breastfeed at the same time. Mm-hmm. There's so many things you can take um, and do to combat postpartum depression while you're breastfeeding. So please don't let that be a reason why you don't reach out for help. Yeah. And, you know, so lactation consultant like you are uh, in the hospital, what if you're like you're home, right? Like you have gone home with baby and you encounter a problem. How would someone find someone to help them work through those problems? Well, they can call the hospital where they delivered. Um, and talk to the lactation nurse that's there after, even after you delivered. Most hospitals still have you come back um, for a two-day visit mm-hmm. to bring your newborn in, so they just check everything out, make sure breastfeeding is going well. Um, at that point, the milk volume should be increased, and so we should know what people consider their milk to be in. That's always a good sign. Um, but also you've had two days at home to kind of practice and see how this is going to go, and then you can come back and you have your real-world questions um, for us. So you can do that at your two-day visit. Um, you can also ask your pediatrician's office um, if they have someone that they can refer you to. There are several clinics 
um, around the metro area, and also WIC is, um, has lactation consultants available if you need that. So you can make an appointment at the health department to see a lactation consultant there. Yep. So you mentioned the most common cause of low supply is going to be that we're not nursing as frequently or emptying that breast completely and as frequently as we need to. And you mentioned, you know, if mom feels like they need to supplement with formula, um, that can be okay, but we still want to make sure that we empty that breast, right? So if baby's not going to nurse from it or only nurses for a few minutes, we still, if we're trying to increase our supply, we still want to go ahead and empty that breast, right? Right. That's exactly right. So, you know, you can get you a pump and um, you can, some insurance cover a pump. You can buy a pump at Walmart or Target. Um, If you're on WIC, a lot of times they'll help you out with the pump. Um, It just depends on um, your situation. But yeah, you can get a pump and pump afterwards um, after the baby nurses. And that just kind of adds a little bit extra stimulation to your body to let your body know, hey, this is a good job. You gave me some, but I need a little bit more next time. And then of course you can give that milk to baby. You don't have to discard that milk. You can give it to baby. Yes. Yes. You can can, uh, save it. You can either put it in the fridge, you can put it in the freezer. Um, And that way, if mom has, uh, mom needs an extra nap or something, then there's some milk there for for somebody Mm -hmm. else to to feed a baby with. So um, lots of different places that you just mentioned that people can reach out to um, for support there. And I actually didn't know that you could call the hospital where you delivered and and talk to the lactation consultant there. So that's that's a a really good tip to have on board. One of the things that I hear um, also frequently mentioned is the latch, right? What What do we mean by the latch? Okay, so the latch is going to be just how baby attaches to the breast. Um, it is very important in breastfeeding because you want to make sure that you have a good, you, you probably heard this before, a deep latch. Um, a deep latch, you want to think about it like you're sucking on a straw, okay? So if you're sucking on a straw and you just have the tip in your mouth, you're not really going to be able to hold on to it mm-hmm. very well. You're not going to get large volumes out. Now, if you have the straw in your mouth well, you have good suction, you're going to be able to pull more liquid out of whatever it is you're drinking. And that's exactly how a latch works with a baby and a mom. Um, the more breast tissue they have in their mouth, the more they're going to get, the easier it's going to be for them. Babies don't like to work really hard for stuff. Um, and so the Me easier either. we can make it for them. I, I mean, I get it. I, I agree. <laughs> um, but the easier we can make it for them by helping them latch deeply the first time, mm-hmm. um, then the faster they're going to catch on to that, and then they'll nurse better and get more milk, which will make you make more milk. Yeah. So what if baby's not latching well? Like, what do we do about that? First thing to do if baby's not latching well is reach out to someone, adjust their latch. If you're at home and you feel a pinch or a Mm. bite, those are the key signs that baby is not latched on deep enough. You're going to feel some soreness. You're going to feel some... um, kind of some pressure in your breast when baby latches. But if you feel a pinch or a bite with every single um, time the baby sucks, that tells us there's a problem. So take the baby off and try again. Try to get as much of the dark brown part of your breast in the baby's mouth as you can, which is going to be the nipple and the areola part. Uh, My favorite way to do that is to point the nipple at the baby's nose. And then when you bring them in close to you, drop the nipple down in their mouth. That's going to get the nipple back further in Mm -hmm. their mouth and help them to get more breast tissue in their mouth. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you can't do that on your own, yeah. then that would be a time when you would want to reach out and yeah. say, okay, how do I do this? 
um, you know, call, like I said, call the hospital, call your pediatrician's clinic, um, call your OB clinic. One of those places should be able to refer you or tell you if they have a lactation consultant on staff that you can come in and see. And we can evaluate your latch and just kind of help you with the mechanics of getting latched on. Yeah. And, you know, try a different position. You know, both my kids had a, a favorite position that they liked mm-hmm. to nurse in, and it was not the same position for each kid um, and mm-hmm. one and they latched better in in that position for them. Now, I did want to vary positions around because I'm trying to you know drain different parts of the breast and all those different kinds of things. But um, at least in the beginning, it helped to kind of know that that was my, my go to position um, or hold to, to go to that I knew they would latch on well with. And if babies still having um, still having issues with that, absolutely have pediatrician take a look, make sure there's nothing going on. There are sometimes some issues with the tongue and those types of things that can can cause some latch issues as well. And then thinking back um to what we talked about a minute ago when we were talking about uh, pumping after you feed or, excuse me, in addition to um, feeding, a lot of times you'll get a very small volume of milk out and then moms go, is that all the milk that I'm making? Uh, And they they freak out, you know, because it can be a very small volume. Um, One thing I encourage people to do is, is not compare yourself to someone else. There is a lot of folks on social media now that are promoting breastfeeding, which is wonderful. Um, And they share their pumping journey and all these different kinds of things. And um, they show like the volume that they get, you know, and they'll be like, well, I got nine ounces at this pump. And that's wonderful. And I actually uh, made a a lot of milk as well. Um, But it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong if you don't get that volume. And babies are incredibly efficient, right, at getting milk out of the breast. Mm Mm-hmm. So if, yeah. you, if you don't get a lot with your pump, baby's still probably getting more than that. Oh, yeah. Well, when you think about it, you've just fed your baby. Right. And so if you're pumping afterwards and you're only getting a small amount, then that tells you that your baby, your body is making what your baby needs mm-hmm. because they just are, if they're satisfied after that feeding and then you want to pump a little extra, that tells you that your body's doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah. And I 100% agree with you about comparing yourself to others. I used to tell women this all the time. There is no award for the most amount pumped. None. Not one single one that I know of. You're kidding me. You don't attain to pump 20 ounces in a setting. It doesn't matter. You're going to put that in your freezer. It's fine. And your baby's going to get milk. But there's not an award for it. So if you pump six ounces or two ounces and you put that in your freezer and the baby gets it, that's a win in my book. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I I can't emphasize that enough is that it's just your journey. You don't have to compare yourself mm-hmm. to anybody else, and especially on social media, because social media is only the the glossy, pretty side of a lot of things. Um, and we don't often see the the messy or hard part that comes along um, that comes along with that. So, you know, just take care of you, you know, and and really focus on on you and the baby. I'm Josie Vidwell. Joining me today is Jamie Ely, and we have been talking about breastfeeding. And we have had a caller patiently waiting on the line for us, so we will say good morning to Bobby in Yazoo. How can we help you? Uh, Good morning, ladies. I have a question about the vaccine concerning uh, small children. Okay. I myself have had all the vaccines except the last booster. And I don't know if it's fake news or not since the Trump administration. Everything's fake news. Uh, anyway, 
they're saying that it causes the booster is causing heart problems mm. and the children are are, are, are even killing the kids that's in the first and second grade mm-hmm. and some adults over 65. Is there any truth to that? Because I, I want to get the next booster, but I mean, I want, you know, I will hold off if, if they got problems with it. Have you heard anything regarding that? That is a great question. So I'm assuming you're talking about the the COVID vaccine, correct? Right. I, I'm on Moderna. I've had everything. You had Moderna. Okay. All right. So the there were a couple of kind of cardiovascular related things that have been in in the news, right? One um, was blood clot issues, and that was with the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, so the Janssen vaccine, um, and that was a few cases of that, and so that they paused that to look at that further, um, and that one's you know. Um, was more in women as well. And so that one has a a kind of a special uh, kind of class warning on it about those kinds of things. But the two that we're talking about from a booster standpoint are your mRNA vaccines. So that's your Moderna here in the U.S. That's your Moderna and your Pfizer um, vaccines. And so there is the primary series, right, which is was the first dose and the second dose. And then there have been some um, boosters of that original type of vaccine. And then there is the new what we call bivalent booster, which um, is the original strain of um, of COVID, of SARS-CoV-2. And then there is the um, uh, the variant version, which f- uh, follows more along the, the Omicron lineage, right? So that's the, the updated booster. The heart effects that um, we that they were concerned about is something called myocarditis, which is inflammation of the heart muscle, right? And so, go ahead. That's what the news says. Yeah, myocarditis. And so, there are lots of things that can cause myocarditis, right? So there are vaccines that can cause myocarditis. And then the other big cause of it is viral infections. And so when we're looking at safety profiles of vaccines, one thing that we look at is, did this occur? And did it occur at a rate that is higher than what this phenomenon would normally occur in the population, right? Because people get myocarditis that have not had the vaccine. So when we looked at that, there were a group of people that seemed to have a little bit higher risk of myocarditis with the mRNA vaccine. And that was usually young men, um, like like teenage years up into the, the early 20s. And it was more common after the second dose of the primary series. So not necessarily the booster dose. So after the, the second dose of the primary series, um, all of those... Go ahead. With the booster, right. Nothing to do with the new booster. Right. It has not been shown to have an increased uptick in that. Now, the big take home to think about is does COVID cause myocarditis? And it does. Right. So when you're kind of trying to do a risk benefit assessment of whether I should get this vaccine or not, you have to think about how likely am I to get COVID? Right. And if okay. you're at a very high risk for getting covid, you could get myocarditis from getting covid. And so it's a much lower risk with um, for having other effects with the vaccine. Right. So do I recommend the bivalent vaccine? First of all, I always recommend you have individual discussions with your healthcare provider because they have your medical history and how you've done with prior vaccinations and other things and what your heart's like and all these other kinds of things. But from a general public health standpoint, absolutely, um, I recommend the, the bivalent vaccine. 
Okay, I've had the flu vaccine. Wonderful. And propamine, Moderma, and then the booster. And I think this will be my second booster or third mm-hmm. one. I don't know. I have my card. But uh, I'm 71, and I do have grandkids, and I'm kind of looking out for them, too. Yeah. Well, that's so, what granddaddies do. Yeah. And look, you gave me more information <laughs> in my health care provider. I'll say that. So. Well, you know, this is one of the things I get to do for a living. So I like to talk about um, about health and about prevention. So I thank you for giving me a call today. And if it's right. been more than two months since your last uh, booster, then you're eligible for this new one. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Bobby. I appreciate you giving me a call. All right. Hey, Jamie, you still there with me? Absolutely. All right. That was a wonderful question. And, and kind of uh, we talked about the immune system of the baby when we started. So this is that was a great question to kind of tack on in there. So I want to yeah. spend this next little bit talking about some of the most common um, challenges that moms may uh, may develop during uh, during their breastfeeding journey. And they kind of a lot of them kind of go together, um, like sore nipples, clogged ducts, engorgement, those types of things, which none of those sound like fun, um, but they are incredibly common. And um, I'll kind of start with the the sore nipple one and, and link it back to the latch that we were talking about. That was one of the biggest um, things that that I noticed was if baby didn't latch well, I was more likely to have some soreness and some irritation to that nipple. Yeah, that's true. That is one of the most common things. Um, You know, it could be linked to a bad latch, but sometimes your nipples just have to get used to that sensation. Um, You know, they're not used to having something uh, uh, stimulate them as often as breastfeeding. So, you know, there is a little um, period of time where you just have to get used to it. Yeah. But the main thing to do if you're having some sore nipples is, um, do some personal care for your nipples, just like you would in the other part of your body. Um, you want to make sure that you are air drying them after the baby nurses each time. Um, so, I mean, when I say air dry, I literally mean air dry. Leave your bra off, leave your top off, and let the nipples dry. Um, that does two things. One, just dries them out. And the second thing is it kind of lets some of that breast milk seep into your nipple, mm. into that skin and the areola, which is um, a good hydrating thing for your nipples and can help with some soreness. Um, if that's not doing it for you, there are some creams on the market that you can use that are um, most are safe for baby um, that you can put it on and then breastfeed if you need to. There's also some um, gel packs that you can get. They're just a cooling, soothing gel pack that you can get on your nipples. But the main thing is to just kind of cut it off before it gets to be a big problem. So if you start noticing that your nipples are sore, let's start investigating what the problem is and what we can do early on so that doesn't become a huge problem. Yeah. And, you know, if the pain becomes excruciating, that's something you need to talk to your your healthcare provider about because there are infections that can occur, fungal infections that can happen in the nipple that will be not comfortable at all that we want to make sure that we get taken care of. Now, what is engorgement? Okay, so engorgement would be when you have a lot of milk left in your breast and it causes pain. Um, Your breasts are pretty amazing things. They are built to store milk, but sometimes your body gets a little overzealous and stores a lot of milk. Um, and your body just doesn't exactly know how to get rid of it or it doesn't get rid of it at the fastest at the rate that you would like for it to. So it um, is characterized by swollen breath, 
Um, they could be red, they could be leaking, but they're definitely hard and painful. So those are some things to look for if you feel like you have um, engorgement. And what do we do about that? Okay, so engorgement, the best thing you want to do is you want to empty your breast till you're comfortable. Remember we said earlier that if you empty your breast completely, that just tells your body to fill it right back up. Mm. So lots of nursing. Um, you can use ice packs on your breast, which help take down your milk supply a little bit. But you want to avoid emptying your breast if you can. Um, if you start to feel spots on your breast that are hard, um, that are a little bit more swollen, a little bit more tender, then kind of massage those a little bit, just a gentle massage when you're nursing or pumping, and that'll help loosen up the milk in there. But basically what, it, uh, what you'll do if you have some engorgement is you'll um, empty to comfort. Mm. You'll feed your baby often and empty to comfort, yep. and that should take care of it. So we're not trying to drain the breast because that's just going to tell our body, hey, I need to make more milk. We're just trying to ease that, that firmness and that kind of sensation of fullness and discomfort. Yes, yep. that's correct. And if you pump that, you can save that milk, too. Don't be throwing away milk. Yes, you can. Don't be throwing away milk. How do no, you store no, no. breast milk? How long is it good for in the fridge? Okay, so in the fridge, um, it's good for about uh, five to seven days. Wow. I think that's longer than when I had a baby. I think they told me something shorter than that. So that's great. Well, it depends on how often your fridge is open. Ah, uh, yeah. That, it, yeah. All those things. So that's why there's the range. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, one thing I've seen become much more popular is people um, – like dumping all of their pumps like into one container and then making bottles from that, which is fine. But I want to make sure that people don't take the like the warm breast milk and dump it over into a container that's full of cold breast milk, right? Yes, yes, you're absolutely right. You want to make sure that the breast milk is tempered before you add more to it. So a good way to do that is if you want to have your container of breast milk in there, take what you've pumped, Put it in the refrigerator next to it in a separate container. When you go to pump again, pour that into the container that you got going there, your jug, and then pump into the smaller container that next time. Yeah. And I mean, it's food safety. You know, we don't want to be changing the temperature of of this milk multiple times. And so it's the same principle um, when you store food, right? You want to chill your food appropriately before you add it to anything else. Yeah. It also saves you from washing a little bit because if you're using that container to be to pump into each time you could rinse it out and you don't necessarily have to wash it because it's been preserved in the refrigerator right right. wonderful that's a great one what about in the freezer how long does milk last in the freezer um milk can last up to six months in a freezer inside your home and up to a year in a deep freeze wow that's great Mm -hmm. what about if you have like extra breast milk when you're done breastfeeding um are there donation places yes there is a local donation place, um, Mother's Milk Bank of Mississippi, and there is an application process that you have to go through to be able to donate, um, but you can contact them and they can give you all the information and all that good stuff. Wonderful. You're listening to Southern Remedy for Women. I'm Josie Bidwell. Joining me today is Jamie Ely, and we've been talking about breastfeeding today, and we actually had a great question come in via email, and this uh, listener states that they've always heard about pump and dump if you're having, if you're consuming alcohol when you are breastfeeding, Um, and is that true and if so like how how long do you need to do that for and you know are there are there any guidelines around that if you've had alcohol in your breastfeeding okay i get asked this question a lot too um so 
kind of the rule of thumb is if you are um, able, feel like you're able to drive a car, then you should be able to breastfeed your baby. Hmm. Um, so what the, the correct way to do it, if there's a correct way to do it, but the most common way is that if you're going to have a drink, you definitely want to keep it to a minimum, but you want to feed your baby and then have your drink immediately after you feed your baby. That gives your body time to metabolize the alcohol out um, before it's time to feed baby again. The, the, the alcohol does not stay in your breast milk unless you just have massive amounts of it. Okay. Um, but if you have a glass of wine and you've just fed your baby, you have a glass of wine, by the time they're ready to feed again, which is normally two to three hours, if you're feeling like you could get behind a wheel safely, then you should be able to breastfeed your baby safely. Wonderful. And I want to um, kind of piggyback on that. Like if you're away from your baby, right? Like if you had to go out of town for a work trip or something like that and you're breastfeeding that baby, um, don't forget your pump, right? Because you want to take right. that with you um, and and pump so that you maintain that supply. You don't get that engorgement that we talked about. Um, and, you know, if you have... Um, if you're able to keep that milk cold and you're not too far away, then, you know, again, save it, take it home, freeze it. Um, Cause it, it sure made my heart cry every time I had to pour out some breast milk. I was like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm pouring this yeah. out. So I tried to try to avoid that at all costs. All right. Uh, we got just about four minutes or so left in the show. So I want to talk very quickly about what cluster feeding means because I hear that a lot from women they're like this baby is nursing all the time is something wrong and so what is cluster feeding so cluster feeding is when the baby um, is just a little bit hungrier and they (laughs) want to nurse more and so um, they tend to nurse for shorter amounts of time sometimes but very frequently or you may have a baby that nurses pretty clockwork every um, you know three four hours for 15 minutes or so this uh, cluster feeding period, which is very common and very normal, um, is not a sign of a problem. It is, it is just one of those phases that babies go through. It's where they would start feeding maybe every one to two hours for five or ten minutes at a time. Um, and it's just, you know, you have days where you're snacky and you have days where you want to have three good meals. And so that's kind of what babies go through sometimes. We see it a lot um, around the six to eight week mark. Mm-hmm. Um, which is usually if mothers are going back to work, that's around the time they go back to work. So sometimes they'll attribute it to being away from the baby, um, that their milk supplies drop, things like that. But um, it is quite common to hear that and see that in babies that are about six to eight weeks old. And that's babies that are formula fed and breastfed. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, and that's often around the time where we kind of call it a a quote unquote growth spurt, right? Where baby Mm -hmm. is is actually needing more calorie um, at this point in time. And so if there's nothing that anybody has learned from today, I hope it's that supply and demand is a real thing, right? And so if baby's body knows that it's going to need more calories, the way to get that is more breast milk. And so they're they're helping mom make more milk by having more frequent feedings. Um, and so you know, it's completely normal. And what I'll see um, happen sometimes is we start to supplement with formula. And again, that's fine if you do that. But if you're trying to maintain your milk supply um, and you're going to supplement with formula during these cluster feedings, pump too so that you don't miss that um, that emptying of that breast and, and um, maintaining your milk supply there. 
Um, yeah. But, it, you know, the opposite of cluster feeding is like where babies just like suddenly decide, hey, girl, I'm not going to do this anymore. And they just like stop breastfeeding for a while. Um, that one may be they may not feel well. You know, I've seen that happen before where, you know, baby has a, a stuffy nose or ear infection, that kind of stuff. So if baby kind of s- suddenly stops um, feeding as frequently, especially if they're ask- acting bussy along with that, we may want to get baby checked out and make sure that they don't have anything going on, right? Yeah, and there's there's another thing called a nursing strike yeah. where babies just are, they don't want to nurse. Yep. Um, they don't want to eat, and that can also cause some drama with mom. Mm-hmm. Um, so first thing to think about is, are they still peeing and pooping? Are yep. they having the wet and dirty diapers? Um, are they fussy all the time? If they are fussy all the time and they're not having the wet and dirty diapers, that's what we call the pediatrician. Mm-hmm. If they're happy as a lark and they just don't want to nurse, just give them a day or so. They'll get back to it, I promise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Always always look at your baby, right? You know, we mm-hmm. we often, you know, you and I both uh, were pediatric nurses and people say all the time, I don't know how you do that. Like they can't tell you what's wrong with them. And not in words, but they sure are pretty great at giving you some clues that something's not right. Right. Um, most babies um, will let you know in some way. You just got to be looking for those clues and looking for those signs that say, hey, mom, um, I don't I don't feel great. And I need for you to, to help me out here. All right, Jamie, thank you so much for helping me out today with uh, with breastfeeding. And I hope our listeners found that helpful. If you had a question that you did not get into us, um, you can always email that. That's remedy at mpbonline.org. Southern Remedy is a production of MPB Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from UMMC. Southern Remedy for Women is produced by Jay White and the podcast producer is Jermaine Flood. And I've been your host, Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at UMMC. Don't forget to tune in every weekday morning at 11 for the full Southern Remedy lineup and search for our podcast wherever you like to podcast. You've been listening to Southern Remedy for Women. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.